Hey guys, welcome back to Elan Vital number one, part two, with Josh talking about life and his experiences with psychedelics and how he's found um, some healing. I hope you guys enjoyed today's segment. that or has experienced that there's a I don't I don't remember the dude's name that he was talking to but there's a clip where Joe Rogan is interviewing a guy sharing his ayahuasca story I think if you look up like crazy ayahuasca story Joe Rogan like that'll come up yeah um, I feel like Ethan's talked about that what what were we watching it was a Joe Rogan with ayahuasca I can't remember the fellow's name either but I, I think I know the one you're talking about was it the mushroom guy no oh. no Okay. No, because that one is good. Paul Stamets, the mushroom guy, yeah. he talks, yeah. and that one is phenomenal. He has that the mushroom story, hat, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that story where when he was a kid uh, dealing with his stammering issue where he climbed the tree in the middle of a thunderstorm, like that, <laughs> one of the greatest mm. stories I've ever heard. It's, it's mm. so cool. I don't know if I'm familiar with that one. I'll have to look. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, I love him. Up. I love him, and I love everything that he's doing, and especially like he was able to help his mom cure from a serious cancer like all of that is phenomenal yeah yeah um but in this in this joe rogan episode he's talking to a guy about his ayahuasca experience and it's a little bit theatrical in a way of what the guy is sharing everybody's hallucinations and visions are going to be theatrical because it's what's happening in your mind but the guy is sharing that he's seeing this like massive what he's calling a world destroyer it's this giant bigger than a planet thing that is able to just crush planets and stars and suns and everything. And he goes to it and basically says, Hey, you know, there's this person that I know who's struggling and who's dealing with something. Can they be done? Like, can, can you let go of them? And the thing made it made a joke or whatever. Like, I, I don't know the exact story, but he essentially said like, you that person can be free if you change places with them like if you exchange places and the guy said no i'm not going to do that like i can't do that of course we can't change places with people but what he took away from the experience that he talks about is how he realized that he doesn't have the ability to step in and do that change in other people he only can work on himself and can change himself and that was what i i experienced the same thing when i took mdma because at one point on MDMA, I found myself with this, with the spirit guide or whatever that was leading me around. I found myself in almost like a really dingy, dirty, purple neon lit strip club slash bar slash lounge feeling thing. It was gross. It felt gross uh, to be in. And I'm sitting at the bar and somebody I know is in there connected to this breathing machine. And it's like they're gross and they're kind of slimy and the breathing machine is gross. And I freaked out and became very angry and started trying to get them out of it and, and started yelling at the person that was there saying like, let this person go. Like I, this, I love them. They can't be here. Mm-hmm. And it was scary because it felt like it was in just like how Savia felt like I was in another dimension. This, this particular voice that spoke to me didn't feel like it was my imagination or my head. It felt like it was something outside of that saying, you don't have the power to deal with this person or to help this person. Only they do. 
And the rest of the trip and the rest of the, you know, experiences that I had, I could pretty much quantify as being like within my own self and within my own spirit and my own kind of imagination leading me. But that one point very much felt like a do not access, cannot go further thing. Wow. Do you, have you like thought about why you were able to see that? Like if you couldn't access it or fix it, why do you think you could see it? Uh, I think that we're all connected in ways that we don't understand at all. Like I think one of the things that's so funny for me, I'll hear stories where I talk to my mom on kind of a regular basis, just trying to catch up. And my sister lives in another state from me. We don't really talk that often, but we are extremely close. We don't talk that often because of just some different hard times that we've been through. But, you know, we still care about each other a lot and mm. are very close. So there will be times where, you know, in the past I've called, I've talked to my mom and I've said, you know, oh, I'm going through this and I'm feeling these things. Or more specifically and more interesting, I'll share with her that I've had dreams that are very specific and interesting where I felt like, oh, you know, I, I, I felt like I was talking to, you know, my sister and we were in the same room and it just felt very weird and real. And then she'll tell me, oh, that's almost scary because I talked to your sister and she just told me she had a dream that she was, you know, with you in some way. And it, it, it's just this weird connectedness of people that we don't understand. That's another thing dreams where it's like we don't know what's going on and we just kind of let it let it go but i think we're all connected in a way that goes far beyond our understanding yeah, yeah. josh do you lucid dream yeah i i've started calling it lucid dreaming at this point but it's only because i don't know how else to describe what it is <laughs> do you uh do you mind telling us like what what that experience is it's pretty weird so i started having dreams that felt like I was kind of awake in another space, like I, I was aware of it. And it started out being in just familiar places that I knew. Like I, I grew up hanging, spending a lot of time in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. And so one of the earliest dreams that I can remember, I, I was in Lake Geneva sitting at the beach. So I started writing down these dreams because they were happening every single night. And I was writing them down in notes like, hey, I went to this place, I was in you know, this city that I know, I used to go back and visit my parents' house all the time in my dream. So I was writing it down and I was saying like, I'm having this dream where it almost feels like I'm going back to the same place every night and it's not stopping. And it progressed for years. Like I remember one day I, I looked at my phone and I wrote down a note and I was like, it'd be interesting to me to just search back. Like I just, you, you can keyword search. So I just keyword search dreams and went to the oldest note that I had recorded. It was like four years back where I had been still having this same reoccurring dream where it's not the same thing that happens, different things happen, but it's very much the same place. It's like familiar. Yes. And um, it, it still occurs to this day, like it's very weird. Some nights I will go to sleep and if I'm really tired, if I haven't gotten a good night's sleep, it. it bothers me because I'm not sure if I'm going to get a good night's sleep or if I'm going to dream very heavily. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's basically just a like reoccurring place. And at one point I had an actual interaction with the dream where it kind of correlated into my real life where there was a, there's a, 
reoccurring theme of kind of like an extremely tall building that is almost like a hotel. But I, I was trying to get access into it and I was trying to get access into an elevator that went to one of the higher levels. And there was a maintenance person working on the elevator and a staff that was there. And they told me, I, at the time, just to disclose personal information, I had lost my driver's license for some pretty ridiculous childhood drama, childish drama, rather. Mm -hmm. um, so <laughs> at, the t at the time, this in my dream, the staff person said to me, you don't have access to the elevator until you get your license back. It's not going to be fixed until you get your license back. And I was like, what? Like, what? What is that's weird. <laughs> that's weird. I've never had my dreams be talking to me about like real life. But I took it seriously. And that week I went out and got my license. And after I got my license, truly, I went back into the place and I had access into the elevator. I was able to go up into these oh, wow. rooms. Yes. And I and the elevator is also a reoccurring part of my dreams, too. Like it's always been there as well. Um, but after I was able to get my license back, I was able to use it freely in a way, almost. That's and another so thing weird. that's bizarre, yeah, it's, I can't, wow. I can't grasp it, but I've also had it where I've had dreams that are so vivid and, you know, you wake up and if you wake up and go back to sleep within a short enough period of time, you can go back into the same dream and that's pretty mm. common. Mm -hmm. But like, I've had dreams where I've woken up gone to the bathroom, you know, gotten a drink, had a hard time going back to sleep, so then I smoke, and then I go back to sleep, and I'm back in the dream. Like, what is that? Mm. Wow. You know, like, I've had similar dreams since I was a kid about this house. Like, even though sometimes the exterior or the interior of the house changes, it's still the house that I know and mm. am familiar with, and it's like, it, it's kind of like what you're talking about. Like, there are sometimes places that I can't go, but then those places end up, like, I don't know, helping me figure out something in real life or, like, they ended up relating to something in real life. And it, it, you wake up and you're like, what the heck? That's crazy. Like, why? Right. We don't understand... We don't understand dreams at all. And I'm unsatisfied with the research that people have done, or maybe not the research that people have done, but I'm unsatisfied with the way that people point you to the research. Mm. Like anytime I've tried to talk to friends about my dreams or share it, they're always like, well, have you read this book or have you talked to a dream interpreter? It's yeah. like, I, it's beyond what I think people will be able to explain to me because some of it also feels like if our bodies have this unprocessed DMT all throughout our system, which we know it does. Like you can just Google, does the body have DMT in it? And it does. Um, is it possible that it's used in some way while we're sleeping? Like they, they don't mm -hmm. understand how the DMT is used. And the large belief I think that people hold about our bodies is that the DMT in our system is used as uh, like just before death release mechanism that lets you pass peacefully into the, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Like, I, at first I would have subscribed to that kind of belief a little bit more. But the thing is, is having these dreams that are so vivid, that are so real, it's, it's hard for me to question it. Like, I've, I, I frequently have dreams going back to, like I said, my childhood home that I grew up in. Uh, and it's, it's not like 
it's it's vivid. I can walk around. Like I've I go yeah. into the garage and I check if my car is there. And sometimes my car that I had when I was a kid is there, and sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very strange. And also, there are studies that I've read where the neurology of what's happening while you're sleeping kind of pairs along with what's happening when you're awake and walking around. So mm-hmm. it's almost as if when you're dreaming and you're in a place, it's almost like it's the same thing as if you actually were there. You're not. You're not there. But it's like you were there. Yeah. Your consciousness might be. Right. Hmm. Hmm. So dreams are a very interesting thing. Like I'm excited to see where people are able to go with them. I would love for dreams to be able to be recorded. Yeah. Yes. Because I'd love to show, I would be, if there was a study where they were like, hey, we want to, we want to plug you into machines and see what you're dreaming. Like I would sign up. I don't even care. Actually, I'm the guinea pig. I think there is some studies um, happening. There's a guy, I want to say in China. I can't remember what country, um, but um, he is actually currently undertaking the um challenge of predicting dreams and um there was uh, i can't remember what it was a youtube video this guy went and basically he had to study like 10 faces and then they had to put together faces so he looked at like 10 different faces like pictures and then he went to sleep and they studied like his brain and then they showed him the pictures that they gathered from the data of studying his brain. And they put those, like, pictures in front of him. And some of them were, like, wildly off. Like, they didn't look anything like the pictures that he was thinking of. So he was told, like, while you're in this machine, think about this face, this face, this face, etc. And so the machine would interpret the data and then, like, read and like and then come up with a picture and have to like predict what he was like what particular photo he was thinking of mm. and some of them were off but some of them were actually like weirdly close um i've got to remember what that that youtube was i'll put a link in the in the podcast but it was that really, would be really weird yeah and i was like oh see the thing is is like i want to know like what dreams are and like how to interpret them but i also don't want like other people that i don't trust being able to interpret like my dreams you know what i mean does that make sense we still maybe i'm too paranoid yeah (laughs) no 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 like we're losing a lot of privacy in many ways in our society so i think maintaining whatever we can is good yeah our thoughts are private and our dreams are private we can hold on to that yeah my (laughs) thoughts are free (laughs) <laughs> They're my own. <laughs> uh, right. I'm looking it up right now, actually, to see because it was it was really interesting watching it. Um, yeah, that's actually the type of thing that I would be fascinated by because the more that they can get those machines to work, quantum computing, I think, is going to be a big deal with that kind of stuff. That's another area that I love researching and learning about. But the mm. quantum physics and quantum uh, engineering sort of, sort of field, quantum computing. I think they're really going to be the people who can make the biggest steps in getting the computers that can analyze that. Like, that's that's crazy. Yeah. I'm looking at 
this um, there's a doctor by the name of Julia Mossbridge who I'm glancing about this book that she wrote about dreams predicting the future and I mean you you hear so many stories all the time of people dreaming about things that come to pass mm. uh, dreaming about people that who they've never met and then the next day they wind up meeting them um, yeah anyway there's there's this book uh, published just last year called the premonition code uh, about it anyway hmm, okay that would be something also really good like there, it's so much to it that we don't understand where if we could just see a piece into what people were experiencing like yeah, have you guys yeah. ever have you guys ever had the experience where you're not not the deja vu where it's like oh this is just my mind tricking me or whatever but you have a vivid dream or something that you remember and then you experience the deja vu do you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. i have yeah right i don't i don't think that i have but uh tell me about it it's it's maybe not even things that I can specifically pinpoint and call out right now, but there are just there have been instances in my life where I've had to stop because I've become so like overwhelmingly aware of the fact that I was experiencing the phenomena of the deja vu or whatever. But it wasn't like a deja vu where it was just, oh, my my brain is seeing this twice or whatever, like that people believe. I actually felt connected to a past memory or a past dream in some way like it was being fulfilled in a sense like I was yeah. I had already seen it and it hmm. I've definitely had that I've had them since I was like a kid yeah. um there's this one that particularly stands out I remember I think I was seven or eight um and uh I used to live in Elk Grove Village in Illinois and um before I moved <laughs> to my next hometown. But um, <laughs> um, we, I remember having this dream about being in our neighbor's home and we had never been there. Um, we had never been invited over. And then my mom actually um, got invited over to sit down with the other mom of the home. I don't even remember their names, but I remember falling down their two steps and we were playing tag in the house which my mom never allowed. She didn't allow like running through the house. So it was like, oh, that's weird. And I remember tripping in front of my mom and their mom, like the other family's mom. And um, I think it was like a week or two later, we were playing tag in the house and I fell down the stairs. And after I stood up, I was like, whoa, I had a dream about that. And I tried to tell my mom and she like did not understand at all. She's like, no, like get up. Like you shouldn't be playing tag in the house. And I was like, no, I've had this dream before. And then even after that, like I had the continuation of like falling down the same steps. And it was just like, how can I stop this like repetitive dream? Because it's like, you know, like when you fall in dreams, it like scares you almost. Yeah. Like, even though I've already experienced hitting the floor and it was only two steps on this, like, tiled kitchen, it, like, it was still scary because, like, I had actually hit the floor. And every single time in my dream, I hit the floor. And to me, it was just like, ugh. And sometimes, like, I'll still have that dream. And, and 
a lot of people would chalk it up to like, oh, you didn't actually have the dream first. You just had that experience as a kid and then like you've dreamt about it since. And it was like, no, I, I specifically remember having this dream, then falling and then continuing to have that same dream over and over of falling again and again. <laughs> like some people just don't get it. <laughs> Well, it's easy to discredit because you're a kid, or because uh-huh. people don't. It's because we don't understand dreams. But it's yeah. like there, there's something to that. Mm-hmm. And like I, I mean, I haven't told a lot of people about it, but it's because when I have told people about it, they like think I'm crazy or like no, like they chalk it up to like, well, this is the logical explanation, and it's like no, I, I specifically remember just because I was a kid doesn't mean that that's a discredit to like my story right i've started basically like i don't share it really with too many people but what i do is when i have a dream that either has a nuance or every few months i'll write down now it's every few months because it it just used to be where i was like i can't do this every single day Mm -hmm. but i would write down kind of the vivid aspects of it into a note and so now it's like i don't talk to people but in case I ever just like, and this is morbid, so I'm sorry, but in case I ever die, like, go through my notes on my phone. There's some weird stuff that, you know, like, go through my notes and read about my dreams. Because it's, I don't necessarily talk to people about it, but yeah. I have been recording the process. And if you, if you do a keywords, like, if you record your own experiences or journal or whatever, most people don't go back and read it. But if yeah. you do go back and read it, like it's kind of trippy to see similarities or correlations over such a long period of time. Hmm. I think it's really cool that you think that this is important enough to take the time to record it and think about it and contemplate it. Well, it's because it's so startlingly real, like when it's happening. Some of the dreams had early on, a lot of the themes had, and it still is, but a lot of the themes have to do with an airport there's a sort of large airport, almost like a mall facility type thing that I generally go to. Um, and early on, I, I would find myself waking up from dreams after either right during when the plane would be taking off or in flight, I would suddenly wake up really panicked because I didn't understand how the plane was flying or you know some other mm. element of what was happening in the dream would kind of scare me and wake me up. But it was so real that it basically made me be like, okay, well, now I need to go out and understand how do planes work? Why do they fly? Like, what is going on here? So that I can get some peace in my dreams. (laughs) Sure. Wow. And so now, actually, it's interesting. Now that I know, kind of just as an example, now that I know how airplanes fly and work and are operational, I don't have the panic in my dreams it's sort of like okay you're just getting on a plane and going somewhere now yeah like, just trust the system i guess it's weird <laughs> it's weird Ethan would be like break the system <laughs> right. that's my normal thought process <laughs> so okay i know that you mentioned it before but like you've had people mention like have you spoken to a dream interpreter like have you i'm not trying to be like another one of those people but have you ever looked into like dream interpretation because like i feel like when i have looked into it it's very like um it's very broad in the sense of explanation like they'll be like oh if you saw this like it means this but it's like well it felt like so much more like it i felt like personally connected or like like there was something more to it than just 
that explanation. Like, have you ever done that? I mean, I'm not trying to discredit like dream interpreters or anything because I, I, you know, I, I don't know that much and we don't know that much about dreaming. But to me, it just seems deeply, I don't know, unpersonal, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> it is really general. I haven't personally talked to somebody, but I'm interested in talking to somebody. Mm-hmm. And it goes into the kind of the category of like astrology. Just okay. especially out here in California, people are huge into astrology yeah. um, and the understanding, you know, like one of the first questions that people ask you out here is what's your sign, you yes. know, and so, <laughs> and that's great, like I love it, but uh, the, the astrology community also tends to be very generalized when they're giving you readings, like they'll say, oh, you're a Pisces, you're this and that, yeah. and it's very vague, but I, last year I was reading a book called The Autobiography of a Yogi which is another one I seriously recommend. You don't have to like yoga to read it. Just read it. Okay. Um, it's, also, it's a little bit mystical, so you kind of got to get past the cringy rolling your eyes, like overly mystical stuff. But <laughs> anyways, he had a point where the, the character of the book was talking to his you know, guru, and the guru was saying, you need to get an astrological band. It's a bracelet, essentially, he was saying. He's like, you need to get a bracelet that represents that you believe in astrology. Hmm. And the guy was like, that's so dumb. I don't believe in astrology. I don't want to wear this. Why would I, why, why do I have to do this? And the guru basically goes into a whole point of saying like, look, just because there are people who misuse astrology and who don't know what they're talking about and have spread this kind of nonsense about it doesn't discredit that like, there is a very interesting thing happening out there. Like study, yeah. mm-hmm. study the moon and how it impacts the earth and study planetary alignment. There's something very interesting going on out there that is more powerful than the stupid kind of uh, things that people are bringing to it. Like just because yeah. people are saying, oh, you know, you're a Pisces, you're more emotional. Like that's dumb. Forget that. But... Yeah. Is it having an effect on us? The fact that we were born at certain times or when stars are in certain places. I know that it does because having, you know, been, I, I've sat at the ocean long enough. I didn't grow up near the ocean at all, but now I've been able to sit at the ocean for a long enough period of time to see the tide roll in from the moon. Mm. And I've also gone into the ocean to feel the strength of one single wave. And I the strength of one wave is far beyond the strength any human individual can output, period. It's stronger than most machines. Like, it's stronger than a car. It's stronger than most machines. And it's one wave. And this mm-hmm. thing, which is the moon that is so far away, has the ability to affect that wave. It has the ability to cause it to push further up shore. I've witnessed it. So I, I have, I've seen enough to not discredit astrology and so to bring it back to dreams like i know enough through my experiences experiences of psychedelics like salvia going into another dimension that was very real it's i've just seen too much to say that i can't credit a dream interpreter i just haven't found the right person to talk to yet yeah you know i've been unsatisfied with the interpretations Mm. i tend to agree with you on the astrology part i had someone come up to me and tell me ask me what what my sign was and i told them i was like oh i'm a taurus because that's as much as i know about astrology (laughs) nice (laughs) um and they were like oh 
I'm a, I can't even remember what their sign was, but they basically like chalked it up to like, we're compatible to like have a one night stand. And I was mm. like, are you kidding me? Like, that's ridiculous. I was so just like blatant. Just, I was so annoyed. I was very annoyed. And it made me like not even want to like look into it. But I would agree with you. There is something like bigger happening. And the people that, <laughs> I mean, use it for like hooking up or whatever, it, it seems like, it, I don't know, it takes Call it away a from that. version of the truth. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's One sad. <laughs> you don't want to just let the misuse of that. That's that goes back to same thing with churches, and I think maybe Screw Tape Letters talks about this, but C.S. Lewis definitely talks about how just because a church might say stupid things or do stupid things doesn't mean that there's not some truth in what they're saying. Mm. And who knows how much of that I would agree with or disagree with at this point, but it's still interesting to say that like just because somebody might not be present presenting the information to you in a way that you like doesn't yeah. mean it isn't true. And I've had to learn that through just being interested in lecture series or books or philosophy mm. or YouTube videos where you're listening to somebody that you don't necessarily like, but you're getting content out of it that's good. Or the content is low quality, like bad video recording or not edited well. Mm. And you, normally you would discredit it. You would just pass on and think, oh, this is stupid. Yeah. But we have a responsibility to dig deeper and say, is this actually truth? Like, is there something to this, even though I don't like how it's being presented to me? Yes, that that is, I don't know. I feel like you're just so patient. That's so cool. <laughs> In a world of impatience, that's that's to be admired. <laughs> well, thank you. It's because the <laughs> systems of impatience have been eliminated out of my life. Like, I hmm. struggle with... Uh, road rage and just being overly stimulated and stressed out in a car mm. and now I don't have a car so <laughs> <laughs> lost my car so I don't have that stress so maybe that's why <laughs> I read something um I I'm a huge fan of uh John Mark Comer he's a he's a pastor out of Portland but he's like so okay. unconventional I just like I don't know a lot of his content is like I listen to the end to see where he's going and he generally comes home to a point that is all too familiar and makes sense to me but like I've never thought of it in the way that he brings it about but he he brought up um he was like if you want to be like more patient and you want to be just like is something he found to be helpful for himself to be more patient he's not like giving out like laws or you know people have to follow it but he found for himself like going the speed limit taught him to be more patient <laughs> oh <laughs> or yeah like going to the longest checkout line and going yes. to a person instead of like a self-checkout he was like i found myself coming into contact with real people and having like an actual connection with someone and finding out like there were like particular situations that he would never have been in if he was impatient if he was rushing through and he was like it has broadened my depth of human understanding and like patience like from his own soul he's like i found to be more patient and he's like and not to say that he's like patient every day and that kind of thing but he's just like i'm purposely seeking out ways to push my patience and the endurance of my patience so that i am overwhelmingly a patient person 
And I was like, that is like so cool. I respect that. Like, will I go to, you know, a non self checkout lane? Probably not every day. Like there are some days where you just need to get through Walmart or Target or something. But like, sure. <laughs> but I think that's, I, I think that's cool because it's like, yeah, like maybe there's something that would happen if you decided to do something different than your like normal routine. And speaking of routines, can I ask, like, what is your general routine in life now that, you know, you've gone, you're a little bit older, it seems like you're wiser, like, what is a routine that you found beneficial for yourself? Hmm, well, so every day I have started trying to practice yoga, hmm. um, and I am huge into hot yoga specifically, that's my favorite type of yoga. <laughs> But I that have tried so to, difficult. It well, it's difficult, and there's a part of it that's brutal. Like you end up, I I sweat more than anybody in the class, and I'll just say right now, I apologize to anybody that I have to go to class with because I'm <laughs> probably the most disgusting person ever. But I love it so much, I can't stop. Mm. Um, I actually was thinking about that today. I was like, I'm sorry, guys. Like I'm so gross, <laughs> but I just love this. Please just accept me. Um, but as far as my routine goes, I mean, the thing that I learned, especially and have uncovered over the last year, is that you, there, there's got to be a priority structure of what is important to you in life, mm. and you should take that serious. Like, family, for me, has become the most important thing to me over the last year because having an experience like Salvia, where you feel like all of that's been ripped away from you, I mm. almost feel like I got a second chance in a way of like, I, I hate the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, but mm. I almost feel like I got that experience. Mm. And so now- I understand for, that feeling. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but I, I have a value now of like, I, I wanna spend more time with my family. And I have, it's been hard because I'm in California and they're in other states, but it, I've, I've started cutting things out of my life that prevent me from being able to see them like I, I'm not at the same job that I was at uh, for a long time that prevented me from being able to see them over the holidays so mm. I was able to spend Thanksgiving and Christmas with my family oh, uh, which was incredible like I haven't been able to do that or see them in the last maybe 10 years so my daily routine uh, pretty much like I said earlier I'll, I'll wake up about five you know between four five or six and then once I've responded to all of my notifications and done my, my sort of business emails. Generally, I set out into the day and I, I find it's really important for me to meditate also every day. And I meditate in two ways, sitting down in one place, meditating with your eyes closed, and then also meditating by walking. Hmm. And when, I, when I'm in those kind of mental places, I'm able to ask myself questions and work through different kind of things that I'm dealing with or play out scenarios where I either would have been stressed out or frustrated by people. And I find that doing that on a daily basis is extremely important for me. Like it, getting caught up in the rat race that people do of the nine to five, I have to just work, I have to get money, is mm -hmm. so counter to our humanity. I, it's not to say that we can't do it like you have to play society's game to an extent and you have to make money to survive to be able to pay to eat we don't live in a society where you all of your needs are just met simply based on the fact that you're alive yeah 
but we do live in a world that has a lot of resources and a lot that's available. So I don't think that people should live in these sort of imprisoned, I think of it as being like an imprisoned life where you're spending more time at your job than you are with your family and you're miserable. Yeah. So I've been spending a lot of time trying to build structures in my life that will give me more freedom. A lot of that has come with needing to minimalize things in my life. People always say like, oh, well, you have way more free time. I'm so jealous. That sounds awesome. And it's like, sure, from the outside world, when you see my day to day, it probably looks like it's very glamorous. But if I tell you what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, you're not going to do it. And that's something that I, I, I heard Stephen, I believe his name is Stephen Kotler say, but he, he is an author that I love. And at one point he got Lyme disease really badly. Aww. And um, when he healed from it, he was, he started surfing and he would, he would wake up in the morning and he would uh, drink coffee, smoke weed and go surfing. Wow. Yeah. And he did this every day getting into what he calls the flow state. And that was what healed him. So when people started talking to him and they're like, man, it's so cool. Like you healed your Lyme disease. I wish I could do that. How did you do it? He'd be like, don't ask me how I did it. You're not going to do it. I smoke weed and drink coffee and surf. Like that's how I do it. And honestly, for me, it's the same way. It's like I've, I've cut back on so many of the qualities of life that I think other people think are normal and what you're expected to have that it's allowed me to live a little bit more like I want to a little bit more freely yeah at the expense of not having that though do you think uh, with sharing your experience if you were to share with people like what you do day in and day out there's a little bit of judgment there because they don't understand that like you are looking for more meaningful connections and you're looking for a, a more meaningful connection with yourself and like you're focused on things that necessarily aren't like um, values of the Western world. Do you think that there's a little judgment there or you just you would like people to experience their own set of um, values? if you will. Like, do you think there's, I don't know. Is, I don't know if well, that question yeah, is Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. <laughs> Sorry. It, I definitely, it, it definitely makes sense. It's two things. One, it's that not understanding and looking at it. And I think that just comes from people being so conditioned that life is supposed to be a certain way. Like my conditioning, the thing that I was raised up in was go to high school, go to college, get married, have kids, get a house, you know, that whole life. Yep. Whereas now I'm realizing that's not necessarily the norm. Like that's not the norm for a lot of different cultures and societies. Mm. And th that doesn't have to be the path that I take. So one, it's people not understanding. And the other thing that I think it is, is it's, it's envy. And I don't mean that in a narcissistic or arrogant way. It's envy in rooted from a place of not understanding as well. And here's what I mean. I'll give you a, a, a story. A lot of times after yoga, just it's, it's not always just traditional yoga. It's also yoga with weights or that incorporates some physical elements like cardio that kind of are a bit more intensive. 
So a lot of times after those classes, I'll have a massive appetite. And uh, I swing into the In-N-Out that's right by my studio. Mm. And one of my favorite things to order from In-N-Out is five or six plain beef patties. No salt, no pepper, no bun, nothing. Five or six plain beef patties. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the funniest thing happens is you're, they give you a tray with your five or six beef patties on them. And you're sitting there eating in a crowded In-N-Out, and everybody's looking at you. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what the fuck? This dude is, sl is slamming these beef patties. That's not how it's supposed to be. But here's the thing. Occasionally, somebody will come up and they'll be like, dude, holy shit, that looks so good. <laughs> and, yeah. And so what I've seen now is there's this look of people where it's an envy that they look at you and it's, it, they, they want to pass it off as judgment, like, what are you doing? But it's judgment <laughs> out of a, I wish I could do it too. And what I'm trying to tell people, what I always tell people at In-N-Out if I ever see them and if they ever make a comment is, dude, I'm just being honest with myself about what I wanted to eat here, man. <laughs> Okay, and you can just be honest about it too. Don't come in here and order it on a bun and with lettuce and tomatoes if that's not what you want, man. Be honest with yourself. You know, so, I've I've experienced uh, not that necessarily, but like, um, I'm not proud of it. But I have like I I like McDonald's pickles. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they're good. I will literally go to McDonald's with a group of friends and just be like, can I have your pickles, guys? <laughs> I'm like begging them for their pickles and they're like, sure, they're disgusting. Why do you like them? I'm like, I would eat these pickles all day, but I like that they're warm and like covered in like onions and mustard oh, and ketchup. And they're fine with giving them to me. Obviously, like if they like them, I'm not going to like, you know, ask them for their pickles. But like that is something that I like love and um they just they don't understand but yeah. it brings me joy <laughs> to just i have friends who wouldn't be able to out. tolerate that <laughs> I they wouldn't be able to hear you saying that i know i have friends like that too and they're like what is it i'm like i just want the pickles like please <laughs> give them to me <laughs> that's the thing is that we're we're so told that we have to make certain decisions and we have to be living a certain way that when mm -hmm. you go outside of that norm, people in society start judging you. I, I first learned it not out of like, you know, it, it didn't start with me going in and going to in and out and having all this massive confidence being like, let me get six beef patties. And then people walk by and it's like, dude, I don't give a fuck. Like, I can do what I want. You know what I mean? And so it didn't, it didn't start out that way. I'm a massively insecure person. And so how I learned this was kind of learning the truth about what other cultures have experienced. One of the things that was so hard for me was that there was a period of time where I had gone like days without being able to buy food because of just different bills that I had. Yeah. So I had not eaten in a few days, truly. It was like two or three days. And my family had sent me money here and there. And like everybody who wants, who can help you out, they've done what they can. Yeah. And so you've exhausted that already. And I just remember I was sitting at a Starbucks because I had just gotten a free water and just was like using Wi-Fi trying to figure out my next step for the day. And I looked over at the mobile orders and I thought to myself, like, I could just steal this. I could grab a mobile order. They'll 
the person who ordered it is going to come in, get all pissed off that their order's not ready, tell the Starbucks employee who's going to apologize profusely, give them another thing, and mm-hmm. then Starbucks isn't even going to realize that, you know, anything happened. Yeah. And so I had this weird, weird, like, temptation moment where, and that didn't go away. Like, that happened a few times uh, in different scenarios where it was like, you have nothing, just just take it or just, you know, you yeah. need this. Um, and what I learned from that is, first off, like, I have come from a culture that does not understand need and true hunger. And we look at society and we look at different cultures and we'll be like, oh, they, they're stealing food. Like they just want to steal or they just want to be criminals or they just, this is who they are. And it's like, dude, you've never been, you've never been so hungry that you thought about stealing food. Like nobody's stealing food because that's what they want to do. Yeah. It, people even even people who are in crime there's senseless crime that you see like there's vandalism and you know whatever else it's like why are you doing this but there there's some things that people do where it's like they didn't they're not stealing groceries or stealing food because they have some malicious intent it's it's out of this like necessary survival mechanism and that realness being real with yourself in that moment being like okay i'm a human being it helps you learn to be honest and confident in those other situations where it's like, I don't mind being in and out ordering six beef patties because life is really hard and life is very weird and none of us really know what's going on. So I'm not playing to the norms and the conditions that people have. So it does make it hard. Like to answer your question, that's a huge tangent, but to answer your question, I think it does come from people not understanding but we can't we can't judge people in a way for not understanding like yeah they've never been in those situations mm-hmm. we should in a way be thankful that they've never been in those situations but still like they don't they don't know why they judge or why they look at that that's another reason why i share my experience with psychedelics and why i say it's not just you know end of life patients or patients dealing with ptsd or cancer or whatever like we all need that wake up call that says Life is valuable. Life is a gift. You're a miracle. Mm. Like, you, your existence is so incredible. I look at the world and I see autonomous, you know, actions and behaviors everywhere. Plants just grow. They just have their behavior. Flowers just grow. Animals just grow. But humans have this consciousness where we can make decisions and maybe we don't actually make decisions. Maybe we have an illusion of making decisions, Mm. but we get to make decisions. And that is this like made in the image of God. That's, or that's in being made in the image of God enough in my eyes that it qualifies. I don't need any more Mm. religious, you know, I, I don't need writing on the wall or anything like that. We're human beings and that's unbelievable. Yeah. Mm. So that's big for me. What a perspective, honestly. It's scary. It just goes from the scary experiences. Like with Salvia, one of the things that I felt like I was experiencing was this dimension of things that shouldn't exist. Like we always hear people talk about, uh, and I, I don't mean to offend anybody or to insult anybody by talking about these things, but we always hear people talk about things like body dysmorphia 
mm. um, or feeling bad about themselves or insecurities and stuff like that. And I, when I was on Salvia, I felt like I had such a powerful experience of seeing things that shouldn't exist and sh that were wrong that when I came back here, it was like, why do you have body dysmorphia? Like, why do you have insecurity? You're, you are so beautiful just mm -hmm. in your humanity. And, I, and people will say, oh, Josh, it's easy for you to say that. Like, no, it's not. I have seriously fucked up teeth and I'm not very, like, I'm not a tall person or anything like that. So it's like, don't, don't make it seem like it's so easy for somebody to say, you know, to another person, you shouldn't be insecure. We all have our insecurities that we're dealing with. I'm not an exception to that. Yeah. I'm not trying to insult people who feel those things and say, oh, you shouldn't be feeling body dysmorphia. I'm just saying, like, y you are a miracle. I don't, yeah. you don't have to believe me or not, but you are. Yeah. 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 Hmm. So, yeah. Wow. Very cool. Can you, um, <laughs> to go back a little bit, um, talk to me a little bit more about hot yoga and why you love it. Oh, man, I am hooked on it. Ever since the first time I went, I'm addicted. I think it stems from, like, when I lived in the Midwest, I hate being cold. I hated winter. <laughs> One of the things that I was so excited about when I moved away from Illinois was thinking to myself, this is the last winter I'm ever going to experience. And so far, I've only seen snow two times since I moved away over seven years ago. So I'm doing good. Um, <laughs> I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. I just hate the cold. Oh, and same. so, like, hot yoga, when the studios are about 104 to 110 degrees generally, mm. which is the temperature of a hot tub. And it, it, they also have sort of like a eucalyptus incense thing kind of going on yes. essential oils sort of thing going on in the room so it also smells very clean like like you would experience in a sauna so when i go into the room uh i and i go in basically my yoga attire is just very light small shorts like i just try to wear the lightest least amount of clothing possible because i am a disgusting mess and it's true it's true and they give you like they give you your yoga mat and then they also give you a towel to put over your yoga mat a sweat towel and like mine is just drenched and covered in sweat it's so gross but you go into the room and immediately my body just relaxes and feels a sense of calmness from the heat mm -hmm. because I respond so well as soon as the weather in California kicks up to like 80 to 100 degrees I get calm like it relaxes me, but I also don't like cardio exercise. I hate running. I hate, you know, Stairmaster or anything that you would normally do in a gym. And yeah. so <laughs> like the yoga practice I love because the movements, you're just standing there and you're just stretching. And really you're not even paying attention to the other people in the room. It's given me an opportunity to move my body in funny ways because I, I tend to be very stiff and rigid. Like, I don't like to dance. I get super insecure about dancing. Very really? nervous and shy about it. Yeah, very shy. Um, and I it love comes... dancing. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wish I did. Like, I, I love seeing people dance and I want to be good at it. But mm -hmm. I don't know any moves or anything like that. So I always get very nervous. But... And that, and that followed me into my yoga practice at the beginning. Like I was always nervous. I was going to look stupid. But when you're in a room with 30 people or, or less, I mean, it's not always packed, but when you're in a room with about 30 people and they're all doing the moves and the teacher is telling them to do the move, 
even yeah. if it's something that's weird or that would normally make you feel uncomfortable, mm -hmm. you look weird if you're not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're now the oddball out because everyone else is, you know, gyrating their hips or whatever. <laughs> And occasionally you can get by with taking a break and pretending like you're out of breath and like you just need water. Yeah. But really you need to be participating in the funny moves that people are doing. And that's given me more of a sense of comfort. Like I, I still don't dance, but I dance when I'm alone. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's like the birthplace yeah. from yoga. I feel, um, did you ever experience this when you started yoga? Um, when I first started taking uh, yoga classes, um, I had to close my eyes because I was insecure about how I was going through the yoga flow. Like, oh, it doesn't, I'm, I'm extremely competitive. Um, so yeah, me too. I had to like close my eyes to be like, don't worry about what they're doing or what they're thinking. Go through the flow because in the end, that's going to help you. Um, so I found myself like closing my eyes through the entire thing. And then later on, I found myself opening up my eyes and going, there's no judgment here. Like if they are like, okay, then they can judge. But like generally, like I felt after that time of having to close my eyes, I felt like I had to for a certain season. And then the next season I was able to open my eyes and just be like, that's okay. It's if they judge me, that's fine. But like, I'm enjoying my time here. Did you ever go through that at all in yoga? I don't know. A little <laughs> bit. It's hard for me in hot yoga because I, I wear glasses. And so as soon as I start sweating, I have to take my glasses off and I oh, become okay. totally blind. So I only keep my eyes open to help me with balancing poses. Otherwise I try to keep my eyes closed. Yeah. And normally I would think that you would want to keep your eyes closed in the practice, but in the traditional hot yoga practice, which is now called 26 and two, it used to be called Bikram yoga, but they changed the name because of some controversy with the guy who, you know, invented it or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, where it's like, do you discredit the thing just because the guy who made it is bad? No, mm -hmm. the practice is still actually really good. <laughs> yes. But anyways, so 26 and 2, in that practice, they, the teachers will tell you all the time, keep your eyes open. Don't close your eyes. Keep your eyes open through the whole practice. Wow. Okay. And I don't know why it is. The first time I ever took hot yoga, the very first class I ever took, I actually had an experience where... I was hallucinating about halfway through the class. I had to lay down because I wasn't able to, I just was completely toast. And so I lay down on, on my mat, which is the pose called Shavasana, which is basically corpse pose or just yes. laying still. So I'm laying down on the mat and, uh, I'm in just yoga shorts, no shirt, nothing else, just laying on the mat. And I'm not trying to be weird, but it has a point. So all of a sudden covered in sweat too, in this hot room, all of a sudden, I have this hallucination that I'm wearing all my clothes and a hoodie and I have a backpack on. I can feel the strap of the backpack over my chest. Whoa. And I'm walking down a sidewalk. And then, yeah, it was so weird and so vivid. And then all of a sudden, I was like, wait a second, holy shit, you're in yoga. I opened my <laughs> eyes and sat back up on the mat. I was like, oh my God. That might have been also another thing that got me really hooked into it was that like, that was the closest thing to a drug experience not on any type of psychedelic or hallucination or hallucinogen that i've ever had mm. a natural psychedelic experience yeah wow. and that's happened a few wow. times that not sure. maybe not as extreme or vivid as what that specific one was but i've definitely been in 
and it only happens in 26 and 2. It, it doesn't happen in any of the other classes. Mm. But specifically in that class, I have definitely, definitely had hallucinations. Wow. From it, yeah. Wow. Which, like, people would maybe be like, oh, it's not good. But <laughs> I, uh, I'm a, a person who explores the psychedelic realms. I love it. Hmm. I'm going to throw a little challenge at you, Josh. Um, okay. And maybe, you've, maybe you've tried this before. But next time you do encounter extremely cold weather, um, try to embrace it and mm. view the cold as a energy source. Mm. Okay. Um, it this hurts. is something Ethan does constantly. Well, I, <laughs> no, honestly, this is the first year this winter that I've tried it. Okay, but it's... you wear sandals everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's um, awesome. It 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 hurts for you know a few minutes, but then but then your body like adjusts, um, and before long you you adapt and and with the correct mindset, um, you you can view the cold as an energy source that like will carry you for miles. I have never felt there's, that. There's like. <laughs> My most favorite thing to do is smoke weed and go for a really, really cold walk. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> See, but that that I, is I, very I, much I, like the hot yogurt in a way. It's, it's opposite, it's like but it's similar. Awareness expanding experience. Hmm. Are you familiar with uh, Wim Hof? Yes. I don't know his first name. Yes, yes. Um, definitely um, took influence from that guy, for sure. Okay. One of my friends Never is even really that into cold him. might be a good thing <laughs> until uh, watching, you know, videos on him and like, oh, maybe I'll try that. Beats, I uh, would take you up on that challenge. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you would, you would understand it. I think it's important because one of the things I, I realized in yoga at one point, kind of midway through my practice from where I'm at today, is... Every time I talk to people about hot yoga, they just tell me, oh, that sounds so crazy. I couldn't do that. And, but I love it. So yeah, in the same yeah. way, it's just a spectrum that I'm able to be comfortable with. Mm. But if I would ever ask somebody, okay, well, would you just try it and have them try it? Maybe they wouldn't like it. Maybe they would like it. I have to also open myself up to the same spectrum of experiences. So I got to a point where I was like, you know, you hate cold, but avoiding the cold is the same thing as people avoiding going to hot yoga and you were telling everybody to try it so yes. i haven't done that challenge yet but you're you're like coming in as another voice of reason being like hey man right. you gotta do this no I, it's like you said i i view hot yoga the way you view cold like i cannot imagine why you but love that except mm. that like oh actually Cold hurts, but I love it now for some reason. Maybe <laughs> hot yoga is the same way. Maybe I'll have to try that. It's an interesting go. spectrum, but I'll be interested. I will try it out. We have a little bit of colder weather here now. Like I, It's L.A., so I'm being obviously super dramatic saying it's sure. cold. <laughs> um, but for me, it's very cold. I actually had a funny experience where I was sitting at the beach one time. Uh, and the sun was going down and I was just shivering and my whole mm. body was shaking like pretty bad. And this, mm. this girl I was sitting with was like, what is wrong with you? It is 80 <laughs> degrees right now. And, and I didn't believe her. So we pulled out our phone and sure enough, it was 80 degrees. Wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. 
so if I, I don't think I, I'm necessarily in the actual physical environment where it's cold, but at least from the mental perspective, I think I have room to take you up on that challenge and try <laughs> okay. that. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a spectrum. Yeah. Well, the, uh, uh, I forgot to mention, the, the breathing is, is huge, too, uh, that, that Wim Hof talks about. That is uh, a must. Hmm. Otherwise, okay. uh, you you do miss out on the the energy aspect of uh, the energy aspect, and it's nothing but just hurt. <laughs> oh um, gosh! You it's, do the breathing exercise. What is it called? Um, where you like, it's like that dog breathing exercise. What is oh, that called? Russell Brand is yeah. Don't you do oh, okay. that when you are in the cold? Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Oh okay. Yep. So I know what that is, and I would definitely be able to apply that. Do you do that in the hot yoga? Yeah, they do, and they, they do it early on, and then they'll say, this is how you can generate more heat in your body if you want, which I don't know why yeah. people do that. Sometimes people are crazy. <laughs> but they'll also say, you know, don't do this if you want to lower heat in your body. Mm. Yep. Hmm. There are times where it'll be... Like you just said, it's a miracle. Like, you can just breathe and heat up your body that way. Right. Well, that's... The thing with medical science that I think is so fascinating is that much of what we're able to do as far as healing and these sort of massive feats of humanity are all from within the body. Like I've talked to you guys now about my experience with psychedelics, but psychedelics weren't the, they weren't, they didn't make the thing happen. They just facilitated it and catalyzed it in a way. They just mm. made it possible. All of that stuff was happening within my own body. And even, even understanding the biology of how, any drug, any psychedelic, or even how cannabis works on the body, it's not that this substance is going into you and then affecting you. It's that the substance goes into you and it triggers your body generating an effect. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so, I like it, it's just very interesting to understand how we can we can get into those experiences. We can facilitate like hallucinations or you know drug esque experiences without the drugs without the medicine it's the power of the placebo in a way because mm -hmm. even to give you an example like for our immune system when you give a person antibiotics or whatever or medicine that you're giving them and I'm not a doctor so don't you know don't take medical advice from me but when you give somebody these these things it's really just allowing the body to get out of its own way to let the immune system work your immune system is what goes sure. in and fixes yeah. all these things. And we need to apply that same belief to our psychology and our spirit in a way that's mm -hmm. like you, you are the mechanism that can get all of this done. Like you can put yourself in a cold space or a hot space or on psychedelics, like maybe not on psychedelics, but either way that, that experience is going to come from within you, from, from inside of you. So what you're saying, I mean, just like for my understanding, what you're saying is these experiences could be possible even without or with, but the the catalyst is what helps bring down that like that blockade in yourself. Yes. Like it's something that's there, but generally we wouldn't break down that wall without a little help because our like reasoning, if you will, in us tells us no, we don't we don't go there but then with the help of psychedelics we can go there it's there already but we just need help getting through that blockade is that what you're you're getting at correct and okay. it's it's very important for people to understand that because 
for example, like my mom is mad privy to the psychedelic dimension. Oh, yeah. Oh my God, what's up? Are you there? Could you repeat there that? You it looks like we just lost oh. you. Sorry. Sorry, guys. Um, I was saying my mom is really, really aware of psychedelic kind of experiences, even though I don't think she's ever had a psychedelic experience herself. Mm. And so, what is really powerful and important for people to know is you. These these things are are beyond psychedelics. You might experience some massive life-changing thing without coming into psychedelics. I ask my mom and wonder all the time, how do you know what you know without having done these things? You know, yeah. I don't understand it. But one of the things I love about uh, Terrence McKenna that he said is, he's like, you know, you can reach all these things through breath work or through exercise or through like uh, you guys talked about a silent retreat. I had a friend who went on a silent retreat for 11 days. Ooh. It was an incredible experience for him. So it's like you can, you can go into those experiences and c create a mystical experience for yourself or one of these life-changing thing experiences. But when you take a psychedelic, it happens within an hour. And then it, the, the change happens to you in the span of about four hours. Mm. And... Terrence McKenna has said a quote, which I, I won't get exactly correct, but it's like, wouldn't you want to humble yourself to the point of being able to make a deal with a plant that says, I will, I need to experience, I need to use you to have this experience. Like there's something, something humbling, I guess, about acknowledging the fact that it isn't done on our own. Mm. It is using sure. a sure. plant. And we do that with diet and with food all the time. But as soon as it comes to psychedelics, then you think, oh, well, that person just is addicted or they need drugs or whatever else. And it's like, well, you have been brainwashed about drugs, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Why not let Mother Nature help us? You know? Ex exactly. And so if you like one of the things I, I try to share with people is you can find healing from trauma, like to bring it back to trauma, you can find healing from that many different ways. But for me, it happened in four hours. Yeah. I spent years, years truly going through depression where it was like waking up in the morning, not knowing why, what I'm going to do or why I'm here. And then at night feeling this like absolute terror of what if I die? You know, what's the point of living? And then all throughout the day thinking about just everything that was wrong with the world. Like I spent years in that place. And then when I was exposed to psychedelics, it, it was ripped away so fast that now I feel a kind of sense of urgency with people, which is to say, hey, if you, f if you do feel trapped and you feel stuck and you're going to spend years like I did in this place, yeah. there might be a faster way for you to get out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's the way for everyone or that everyone is biologically set up for it or whatever else like I'm not a doctor so I don't I'm not in trying to encourage people to do things that are not right for them and also the experiences are really scary so I'm not encouraging somebody to do something that they're going to come back to me and be like why did you tell me to do that that's scary yeah but why I've started to be real with everybody like I've even opened up with my family about my psychedelic experiences I've sat down with all my my parents and talked to them about it and I've started talking to my siblings about it and sharing it with them 
And the reason that it's important to me to talk to people is because, you know, I may not want to make you uncomfortable and I may not want to make you put yourself into a situation that's scary, but 100% of all humans are going to die. 100% of them. (laughs) And when you get to that experience, it's scary. Like it's scary for everyone. No one knows what's on the other side of it. Nobody has any clue. And so if that is a reality for everybody, like psychedelics might be less scary than that. And if you're going to have to go through that, maybe you can find some courage and bravery to go through other things that are going to help you in the meantime. Yeah. That's something that we recently spoke about. It was just like, sometimes you need to go through a longer process, but also don't rule out the shorter processes. There's nothing wrong with taking a, a shortcut to get, to start healing, to start the healing process. Um, I, I feel like maybe we didn't word it necessarily like you did. I think that was very good. But um, like, I don't think people should discount the shortcuts or the long processes. Everyone's different and everyone needs to go through particular things, I think, anyways. Um, And we don't understand why or how or anything, but like, don't discount those experiences. And I'm I'm glad that you're opening up about those experiences with people that are closest to you. Well, I actually think you guys did a great job talking about it in your episode because it's true. Like there is a long process for people. And, and the reality of life is that our life is more like a giant mixer board, you know, behind. I'm a music person. So, Ethan, you probably will under, know what I'm talking about. But like mm-hmm. a giant mixer board where it's not just one thing that's going to fix you. Like I mm-hmm. fixed parts of myself with psychedelics. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. when I did MDMA, I stopped drinking alcohol. That's it. I didn't root out anger. I didn't root out, uh, you know, sadness or other human emotions, which are part of our humanity. Yeah. I only fixed an element of myself. Mm-hmm. And so still understanding what the long journeys are, like I, I will go on a silent retreat because there's going to be a different type of healing that's important for me in that journey. Mm-hmm. It's like there, it's, it's not just a short fast experience like that's good for some things I want to tell people like you you could fix for example if you were spending years and years in an addiction you maybe don't have to you don't have to experience that and I'm not saying it's gonna be a hundred percent of the time that somebody does these things that they stop but the statistics that the medical community are coming up with are astronomical my grandma was led a smoking cessation class in a hospital in Colorado for years. Hmm. And so when I, I sat down with her and I showed her a video from, um, gosh, what is his name now? It just escaped me. It'll come to me in a second, but I showed her a Ted talk from one of the guys talking about psychedelic statistics where they were saying how, what the statistics were of getting people to quit smoking. And she was blown away. I asked her, I was like, Grandma, how do these statistics with uh, mushrooms compare to the statistics you were working with getting people to stop? And she was speechless. (laughs) So it's like, it's not to say that it's for everyone or whatever, or that the shortcut path is, you know, it's going to fix all your problems. And like, okay, it could be that you take the long path or the shortcut. shortcut. I think it's, it's, 
a dynamic level of both of those things. Yeah. yeah. Like I, psychedelics. What's that? I was just going to say, Hunter Thompson once nicely put it. He said, I hate advocating for drugs, but they've always worked for me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's what I told my mom is like, I, I was talking to her one day. And I was like, Mom, don't you think I hate that this is mushrooms that did this? Don't you think it, like, it's, it would be easier for me to come to you all and be like, hey, I read a book and it changed my life and this is what you guys should read. Like, yeah. no, that's not yeah. what it is. I have to come to you guys and I have to convince you. I have to undo the stigma and brainwashing that you've been taught about drugs. And then I have to tell you that it's mushrooms that fixed me. That is not the yeah. easy thing. I wish it no. was not drugs. Especially yeah. with the stigmas that we have today surrounding psychedelics. That's not easy at all. <laughs> right. Um, so, of all the things that you've read or have grown through, is there anything in particular that has stood out to you um, that has helped you continue on your path of growth, like a quote or a song or just um, anything in particular? I mean, I know that's really hard like um for myself i've read so many different things that have like impacted my life in small ways that have grown me to where i'm at now but like is there anything that has stood out to you truly that's like made you continue on the path that you're going um or yes. it could be several things but <laughs> i think i definitely do think it's a couple things i mean as far as songs i've always been driven this is very weird, but since 2006, when the song was released, for whatever reason, it has just resonated with me and driven some deep part of my spirit. But the song um, Right Into by Tool is by far my favorite song. And the reason is because as a musician, I love the composition of it. It's, it's really beautifully melodic, but also complex. And like the timing of it is strange enough where it's, maintaining beauty while also being in my mind wickedly talented and complex but lyrically i've always loved it because the lyrics are sort of an allegory in a way about what i think is a reflection of humanity and they talk about sort of the human nature and our desire to fight each other and kill each other when you know one of the things that he says is don't don't the people see that this garden has enough to go around for all of us and mm. it's this sort of sense of like we don't have to stockpile and fight and kill each other like we, there really is enough for all of us and then another lyric that he says in the song that always sticks out to me is he says and it's a bit poetic but he says repugnant is the creature who would squander the ability to lift an eye to heaven conscious of his fleeting time here and what that lyric means to me is who cares about your spiritual belief at the end of the day? Like the, the fundamental dogma that you believe in of this is how we got here or God created the world in seven days or we came from a monkey or whatever the fuck it is. Mm. Like behind that, you're a human being. And like I've said so many times, you're a miracle. Mm. And it is disgusting for a human being to get so wrapped up in monotony that they aren't able to look up into the sky and realize I only have so much time here 
and it's a divine gift. Hmm. So that song has always been sort of like a guiding internal thing that I've used and listened to. Um, yeah. But also, there's a few books that I that are really important to me. Um, I wanted to talk about them actually because it's just as a quick mention because I, I think people can read them themselves and maybe see more of my experiences. But True Hallucinations and Food of the Gods by Terrence McKenna are absolute must-reads. Must reads. Food of the Gods will change what you know about your belief of drugs and all, just all of that, so it's extremely important. But uh, also, I mentioned earlier, Smoke Signals and Acid Dreams by Martin A. Lee. Both of those books were huge because weed is absolutely core to me. I absolutely believe in it 100%. And Smoke Signals talks about the history of weed that mm-hmm. made me realize, like, no one can speak against me or make me feel bad about it or tell me that it's bad or tell me that it's wrong because I, I know the truth. Sure. Um, you have mentioned in another podcast, 12 Rules for Life. Actually, I think it was one of the, like your first podcasts that you guys were talking about it, <laughs> 12 Rules for Life. But that book was huge for me because yeah. um, Jordan Peterson has a bunch of lecture series online that I went through. And a lot of the themes that he talks about in his lecture series were brought up in the book. And it was easier for me to internalize after reading it instead of just yes. hearing it like the second mm-hmm. time through. Yeah, I love that. Um mm-hmm. Bhagavad Gita was one that I mentioned earlier. That is a Hindu sacred text. That book shook me so much because essentially the layout is they give you some context, some historical context, but it's this, these, they're supposed to be the kings of the land and they've been cast out, but they're coming back to reclaim the kingdom. And this giant war is being set where two armies are fighting against each other. And right before the war starts, the leader of one army becomes so distraught and he looks at the other army and he says, that's my family. Those are the people who trained me and raised me. How do I go to war with them? Wow. Yeah, and so the Bhagavad Gita is this whole walk-through conversation of what the psychology is behind that. And that, is, that always shook me. Hmm. Um. Not to go on, but there are a few other ones. Uh, I already mentioned Autobiography of a Yogi. I seriously recommend that. Okay. One popular one, so if you, a lot of people who are into like motivation, entrepreneurship, or whatever else, they get really worked up about uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Phenomenal book. I definitely recommend reading it. It's great. Um, and I applied some of the lessons to my life, and actually like, I got a raise at my job, and I got promoted, and all this other good stuff. So it's a good book. But he has another book called Outwitting the Devil, which I actually recommend reading. When he wrote it, his family kept it secret until after he died because they thought it was so important what he was talking about that they didn't want to share it. Mm. So that book is really important. Um, I don't recommend listening to the audiobook version of it because there's a narrator who also shares her like two cents on it after every chapter, and I find her to be incredibly annoying. (laughs) <laughs> but the book yeah and I feel bad because like I'm sure she's a great person and I'm sure she's awesome and I'm actually she's probably saying good stuff but I just didn't like it sure. that book though was very powerful and taught me a lot about kind of our culture as far as our education system and mm-hmm. society goes so that's kind of my list of like necessary things that I would say are important to get into just for the general people okay 
Um, I hate to do this because I feel like we're having such a good conversation, but um, I do have to get going pretty soon. <laughs> so, um, I guess in a way to wrap things up, what is um, in a broad sense, um, what is it that has been the greatest discovery about yourself or the world around you? I mean, I know you've covered it throughout the, the podcast, but to wrap it up in a, in a, in a sense, um, what would that be? Hmm. Okay. Um, man, I'll tell you that that's actually a really interesting, hard question for me because it's so, it is so much, but and take your time with it. Like, <laughs> I think the theme has been that the mystical experience, and for me, it, it was catalyzed by psychedelics, but the mystical experience is the most important thing that humans can experience. We do not know what is going on on the other side of consciousness or reality or whatever it is that you want to call it. And what I desire more than anything, instead of having the churches get up in front of everybody and talk about reading the Bible or whatever, I want to have conversations where people say, okay, I just did five grams of dried mushrooms and I saw God. And I don't know how to explain it. Can we just talk about that? Hmm. More conversations like that. Uh, so for me, the most important thing has been my journey in using uh, cannabis and psychedelics. And okay. that, that's absolutely the most important thing. Hmm. Wow. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Josh. It's, uh, it's been a pleasure to get, talk to you here and uh, get your take on things. Yeah, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I just want to say, like, I mean, I'm... I've known you for a long time and um, I'm deeply thankful for the friendship that we've been able to keep going. And um, I thank you for coming onto the podcast and showing, sharing like some deeply personal things with us. And um, I really hope that people are, you know, understanding and gracious and like, because you've been so positive and gracious with us, so. It's valuable stuff. Thank you. I hope people can see it because yeah. I, I certainly do. Yes. I'm so thrilled that you came on today. Thank you. That really means a lot to me. Um, I will say that if anybody wants to read more of my story, I just recently put it up because um, after the psychedelic experiences, I spent about a week journaling and just writing it down. I did recently put it up um, and it's available. It is at A-E-N-A-L-E-M-M-A wordpress.com so if you just want to check it out and see more of what my psychedelic experience was i do go more in depth with that but okay. um thank can you so we, much for having me can we share a link to that um on our sure like pages okay cool yeah if you awesome. want to it'd be awesome that would be great is there anything else um that like you're doing currently that you'd like to share or um um no i think that if any Anything I would just want to share that part of my story with people so that maybe if it can help them, you know, even if it's just something where people can say, wow, you know, I want to know more about that. And then they just Google maps or, you know, John Hopkins Hospital mushrooms. Like, even if it's just a starting point for them, that would make me happy. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks for coming on today. 
Thank you guys. You guys rule. I love you. <laughs> we <laughs> love you too, Josh. This is awesome. That was super fun. I loved having Josh on and all of his experiences um, and his stories. He's so easy to talk to. Didn't you yeah, like find yeah. that? <laughs> I, I could have easily gone on for several more hours with them. Same. He was, he was a real treat. <laughs> um, I think um, overall, just uh, we'll post the books that he was talking about and his WordPress. So if you guys have uh any further questions or you want to hear more about his experience you can find that on notion club um and uh we'll post the picture or the the books that he was that he was mentioning i'm definitely going to check out that autobiography of a yogi that sounds really cool i i, I feel like i've that. heard of that before i just can't like picture it in my head um yeah. there were so many good books like obviously he's very well read and like <laughs> the way that he can like quote things off the top of his head is amazing to me because like I I read a lot and am always interested in what people have to say but for the life of me I can never like just say what I like. <laughs> it's the retaining and it's applying. just like yeah yes that's, and like that's the next step I feel like retaining it I feel like I can retain things like that but like spitting it out and sharing it with another individual is just like so hard it's just an upward battle so i am both <laughs> i am like so amazed that he can do that that is so cool <laughs> yeah. very cool very knowledgeable um, guy yes yeah very well-rounded i think um overall we always want to end our elan vital sessions um or segments uh with a quote um uh, just to like continue on with the positivity and experiences and something that we found um, after speaking with Josh was the quote, was it by T.S. Eliot? Yes, Ethan? it was. Yep. Okay. Do you want to share that with everyone? Sure. Uh, yes. So T.S. Eliot, we shall not cease from exploration and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. All right. Do you want to say that one more time? Sure. We shall not cease from exploration, and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. I think that's a good way to end the podcast, uh, give you guys something to think about more. And, um, yeah, I, I hope you guys enjoyed the session. And, again, thank you, for, uh, thank you to Josh for coming on and sharing his life. All right, thanks for listening, guys. Bye.